Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, the Athletics' Mike Sando joins me to talk about one of my favorite columns each and every year, the quarterback tiers column. We get to everything from the top few tiers of the quarterback tiers column, including all, a long discussion about Lamar Jackson and where he stands after a very interesting set of quotes in Mike's piece. But first, I want to tell you about another ESPN experience. He was the face of the New York Yankees and the most admired player in baseball. The captain tells the story of Derek Jeter's life and Hall of Fame career. Catch episode three on Thursday, July 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and streaming on ESPN+. As well, ESPN in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions presents not just football with Cam Hayward. Each week, Fans get a peek behind the curtain of NFL life. Pittsburgh Steelers defensive tackle and five-time pro bowler Cam Hayward gives his unfiltered thoughts on the league and headlines across all sports. That's not just football with Cam Hayward. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Mike Sando talking about the quarterback tiers. All right, joining me now here on the Bill Barnwell Show, one of my favorite people in the industry, talking about one of my favorite columns of the year in the football industry, the quarterback tiers column, which has been discussed all around the television and internet space over the past couple of days, but of course had to bring the man in himself to talk about it. It is my former colleague at ESPN, now at The Athletic, my friend Mike Sando. Mr. Sando, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And this is welcome, uh, Bill, because you are the king of nuance, and we get to actually have the real discussion, the real quarterback tiers discussion beyond the social media, pull this quote out, you know, have fun with it, which I do appreciate, by the way. That's great for the promotion, but we're going to have the real conversation today, I sense. I'm putting that on my business cards, king of nuance, Bill Barnwell. Well, yeah. I mean, I joke because sometimes my columns on Monday go, you know, three, 4,000 words, and you always have me beat by, oh. you know, another thousand of nuance on top of that, so, mm -hmm. you know. Well, that's very that's very funny i like that a lot um i mean i always love this column because it is the you know i talked about this a little bit jeremy fowler when he does his top tens uh right around the same time for us you know it, it is the sort of unfiltered look into what people in the nfl are actually thinking for better or in some cases maybe for worse and obviously some controversial stuff comes out some stuff that confirms what people believe some stuff that challenges what people believe we're going to start at the top and we'll work our way down to the bottom here uh let's start with tier one i mean you know you've been doing this now how many years how many this QB is tiers? ninth year ninth? Yeah. wow nine yeah. years first year yeah nine years of qb tiers and i feel like relative to typical years please correct me if i'm wrong this is one of the bigger tier one groups that i can recall it is i believe there was one year where there was eight or nine where like rivers and roethlisberger sort of mm -hmm. swerved into it you know and luck was going uh, and all of that. And, but yes. And the other thing part about this tier one is it is younger on average, even though we still have Brady and Rogers in there. When you think about Mahomes, Josh mm -hmm. Allen, Justin Herbert Burrow, that's a pretty good young crop that has now yeah. replaced the aged out breezes and rivers and those guys. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, with those guys in, in, in tier one, you know, you figure injury might come into play maybe, but otherwise hard to see them going anywhere anytime soon i think you can ask some questions about these guys and i'm going to but um you know there's none that seems shocking to me when it came to tier one obviously Mahomes, rogers don't think there's going to be any questions there brady still playing at a high level 
Josh Allen at four. I I find interesting, not because Josh Allen can't be a tier one quarterback, because we've seen him be a tier one quarterback. I think he was that guy in 2020. I think he was certainly that guy during the postseason a year ago when he torched the Patriots and I mean nearly single-handedly, along with Gabriel Davis, carried the Bills to a, a near victory over the Chiefs. But in terms of his 2021 performance, you look at the numbers, kind of ordinary. I mean, not not as bad as he had been in 2019 or 2020. Oh, sorry, 2019, but not up to his 2020 regular yeah. season standards. So in terms of Allen, how much do you think his ranking and maybe Burrow's ranking as well is influenced by what we saw in the postseason versus what we saw over the broader regular season sample? I, I do think that's a big part of it, Bill, because let's just, if he had had the Houston playoff game meltdown all over again, he'd be in tier two, don't you think? Uh, that would be an extreme thing. But mm-hmm. uh, people were waiting, you know, people held off. He went to the, a year ago, he went to the top of tier two mm-hmm. and then had another good year on this past year on the, on the whole sure. playoffs. Uh, but I'm with you a little bit. I mean, I guess I'd rather have him there than have a bunch of Buffalo people coming after me. As if <laughs> but I felt like for all three of these guys, Alan Herbert and Burrow, mm-hmm. you could make a case to, Hey, let's just confirm it one more year. You could make an A case. I'm not saying one that I believe all the way, but Joe Burrow's got one full season. Herbert's got a losing record. They hasn't driven the team success, which we all mm-hmm. know isn't just him. And Josh Allen, you know, has had some inconsistencies and now mm-hmm. loses Brian Dayball. And like, it wouldn't surprise you really if he had a, suddenly had a high interception year where it just didn't work as well, right? That, that wouldn't mm-hmm. shock you. I don't, I don't think it's a guarantee that he just makes it look easy. He's just a force of nature physically, I think, and people didn't avoid that in the end. For sure. And, and I think, you know, it becomes a question of what are you looking for when you're projecting a player into next season? Is it consistency or is it upside? Because, you know, Josh Allen, we've seen he can be, to me, he was the best player on the field during the postseason. Him and Aaron Donald were the two best players in the NFL during the postseason. So if he's that guy for an entire season, he's MVP. And I don't think that is out of the range of possibilities for this year. But even last year, his interception rate was league average, 2.3%, uh, a 99 uh, interception plus on pro football reference. So league average really when it came to interceptions. So yeah, I think the Dable thing is interesting. There's been some changes on the offensive line, some changes at receiver. Um, but I mean, we know what he can do. We know he can be a just a force of nature when he... Uh, it is in that spot with Burrow. I, I don't think I'm surprised too much. I will say though, with Herbert, pleasant surprise maybe from my perspective. I, I think he is a tier one quarterback in my eyes, but I was a little surprised to see the league felt that same way. I kind of felt like he was going to be ticketed for that same spot you mentioned for Allen, where it was you know top of tier two. Hey, prove it that one more time to get me in tier one, maybe with a playoff win or even a playoff appearance. Yeah, I think the difference with Herbert was. He's played two years and was really good both years. You know, Josh Allen had to overcome the fact that, man, he was all over the place for the first couple of years. He was a roller coaster. You know, he was running the ball, getting his helmet turned sideways, <laughs> throwing into coverages and imploding occasionally, then looking spectacular too. Herbert has just looked like the real deal for two years. And, you know, they had they had a coaching change. No one's talking about, oh, did Herbert adjust? What did they do? You just watch him play and go, yeah, I want one of those on my team, right? And 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 if you were really going to take one of these three young guys, I mean, you could make a good case for him, right? Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert, I'll take him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of his skill, in terms of, you know, the range of abilities he has, and in terms of his performance, I mean, he's ahead of, certainly, where 
Josh Allen was after his first two seasons. Now, Josh Allen had one of the biggest leaps in NFL history from year two to year three. I think he's probably, you know, obviously his rookie season was better than Burrow's rookie season because the the torn ACL. But, you know, I, I think you could certainly make a case that he's he's the guy you'd pick. And that's no disrespect to the other two guys. I mean, these are awesome, awesome quarterbacks here in tier one. I, I think, hmm, let me ask you a question. Out of these six guys, whether it's age, whether it's, you know, uh, less impressive performance, and this is it's funny you told me the king of nuance and i'm going to ask you this very like social media friendly yeah. question out of these six tier one guys if i if i told you one of these six guys was not in tier one next year who do you think it would be and why wow um very unfair question you're looking for a headline barnwell i know what I am. <laughs> sando says that josh <laughs> allen most likely to drop out of tier one i would probably say it i would probably say it's him because we've seen the volatility in his career and there's those changes. I feel like with Joe Burrow, even after his rookie year, Bill, like people who faced him were like, oh man, this is a real guy. I was so impressed. And you're like, wait a minute, they lost by 17 points and he got sacked (laughs) times. And like, no, just trust me. We're down on the field. (laughs) This is a real guy, you know? And I feel like uh, Justin Herbert has had no downs. He's just had ups really. Uh, and there's just no reason to expect the forecast to change. It's like it's sunny in LA all the time. Justin mm-hmm. Herbert's sunny all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh Allen, there has been a very ra- wide range of experiences. And like I said, there is some change with him. Um, I still think he's going to be good. I think he probably will be in tier one in a year, but like you could definitely see volatility with him. For sure. I mean, I think he has the best chance of winning MVP, and I think he has the best chance of falling out of Tier 1, outside of maybe Brady, just because of age. Um, yeah. Because the chance he retires, I guess. You know, I, but I, I think, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if any of these guys were in Tier 1, uh, you know, in, in the years to come. In Tier 2, number 7 was Matthew Stafford, closest to Tier 1, 18 Tier 1 votes. Of course, winning a Super Bowl is going to make anyone look good, and a really interesting season from Stafford. And I wonder what what the voters sort of thought of this first half of the year. Of course, he looked like an MVP candidate. He was playing great football. Looked like he'd been on the offense for ten years. Second half of the season, not so much. I mean, there was that really ugly game against Tennessee. Lots of turnovers, even into the Super Bowl. I mean, two interceptions against the Bengals, and then of course that final drive ends up winning them the Super Bowl with, with great performance from Stafford on that drive, except for. Didn't he miss? He missed Van Jefferson. Either it was a Van Jefferson drop or a Matthew Stafford miss right before the touchdown pass to Cup. I have to go back and watch. Now I feel like I'm blaming him unfairly. But Stafford, in, in terms of what you saw from him this year and what voters saw from him this year, um, you know, is this kind of what you expected? Or, or, or how much do you think people saw Stafford as a changed quarterback relative to what he was like in Detroit? Yeah, this is about what I expected because I think uh, the – heavy shift towards the drop back pass offense and then sort of having to rein it in a little bit. Right. I think they, and then in the playoffs, yes, he, he got the job done, but they played really great defense. I, I went, I think I might've included this in the column. I went through the last 20 Super Bowl winners mm-hmm. and uh, they were fourth, the Rams among those in defensive and special teams EPA per game mm-hmm. through, through, through the playoffs. So uh, they really won it with the team and him. He was part of it, but it was sort of the opposite of the, the Detroit experience, right? Where he had, didn't have enough support a lot of the time, especially on the defensive sure. special teams component. And he went to the other extreme with really, really solid. So people liked him. They gave him credit, but they felt like, you know, 
when they really put the accelerator all the way down and tried to go, you know, 150 miles an hour, they kind of had to back off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think he gained some tier one votes. It's certainly the most he's gotten before he got 18. I think the most he ever had before was 15. He only had four a year ago. Mm -hmm. Heard of it the, you know, after all that happened in Detroit and people wondered, was he broken down? Uh, This is, I think, about where he belongs. And don't you feel like if he has another, if he has a really good year this year and, you know, maybe he, maybe he, maybe he could then move in and we would say in tier one, you know what? It really was Detroit. And this is a tier one talent who has now shown he can play to that level enough, just consistently enough um, to get in the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, number one, there's been those people who for his entire career have said, hey, just get this guy out of Detroit. He's a tier one quarterback going back to, I mean, the the Jim Schwartz yeah. days, you know, when they were throwing the ball a ton and their defense was a mess. Um, you know, absolutely. That is not out of the question for Matthew Stafford. And the other thing I, I'd mention is that, you know, he's not running in Kyle Shanahan's offense, but there's some similarities certainly between the Sean McVay offense and the Kyle Shanahan offense. And Remember, Matt Ryan was a guy who, you know, his first year with Kyle Shanahan, decent numbers, but not not a great year by any means. In year two, everything clicks. He's best performance of his career. He wins MVP. I wouldn't be shocked if Matthew Stafford had that possibility in him, given the weapons he has around him, given, you know, the fact that they have, you know, he has that second year now in the system to get familiar, get comfortable. Um, you know, is it, would he be the favorite? No, I would say Allen, but I think Stafford is, you know, there's a more viable chance of that happening than maybe we're thinking about right now because we've seen him be, you know, this guy where he's very good, makes some sloppy mistakes, but still a, a good to very good quarterback. He still has that elite upside given his athleticism, given his arm talent, and given what's around him. They should have the right feel for how to calibrate the offense, shouldn't they now? For sure. A year together. I mean, that that's an underrated thing that they've only been together one year. They, they hit it off so well, and I think one of the points that was made by one of the voters in the piece was, you know, when you have the when you have the direct connection from the head coach as the play caller to the quarterback and they're both good, I mean, you really get almost like an exponential benefit out of it. I think they got that right away. I think they connected faster than maybe somebody else would. And so there may not be a huge year two uplift on that because they really did hit the ground running uh, and were putting up amazing numbers for the first half of the season together. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that they were better during the first half than they were during the second half. So absolutely, Um, you know, might have already seen that boost, like you said. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be Number eight, Russell Wilson. I I found this really interesting. You had a quote from a GM here about Russell Wilson, and this is, I'll I'll read it here. The difference with Russell is he's a lot more high maintenance. He's got the entourage. He needs the office at the facility, the extra hotel rooms on the road, all that stuff. Let me ask you, Mike. Now, Now, you've talked to a lot of people about a lot of different quarterbacks. 
how much did stuff like this come up? Like, is Russell Wilson any worse of a quarterback between the numbers or or, or between the sidelines yeah. on Sundays because he has extra hotel rooms on the road? Do other quarterbacks have extra yeah. hotel rooms on the road? I guess that's my question. Like, is Russell Wilson kind of being unfairly, you know, sort of dinged for something that really doesn't make a big difference when it comes to his actual play? It may not make a big difference. Yeah, I think that's always an interesting thing when we talk about these quarterbacks and how we perceive them, right? If there's certain guys, like I think, you know, uh, Derek Carr has mm-hmm. one reputation, but uh, Matthew Stafford has another. And it can almost, I think sometimes it can move you half a tier almost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's wow, just yeah. like a little bit of perception. So definitely his production has fallen off for whatever reason the last year and a half. I have felt it was almost like, he was finishing up a bad marriage and it <laughs> really wasn't working anymore. And it doesn't mean that he can't be good again, but the spark, the flame was lost. He just didn't look the same. So at the same time, I mean, I think he is, there's a, there's a lack of a self-awareness with him that I don't think is a problem. If you play great, like I, I think playing great overcomes all of that bill always, but if it's a little up and down and he's inconsistent now, which he has been lately. For sure. Um, and you go to a really high expectation place like Denver mm-hmm. and they're embracing it. I mean, oh, we got our guy. Can you believe it? Um, I think it could make the bumps a little bit more pronounced. And like for his, for his, good of a community citizen as he seems to be mm-hmm. there's not a lot of connection to teammates mm-hmm. and so if you're going to do all that with like most quarterbacks don't have an office to watch film at the facility like the coaches or other people that he works with uh mm-hmm. might as well or an extra large entourage like that stuff's all good if you really are the king of rock and roll mm-hmm. But if you're not charting in the top five or top 10 anymore, I think there's a chance that that could be, uh, that could hurt you mm-hmm. um, in terms of your ability to lead the team or how you're perceived or to weather a storm. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw some of that stuff start to be talked about. Seattle, clearly Seattle was done with Russell Wilson. It seems like it, yeah. I mean, when Russell Wilson was traded, they put out a statement from the owner of the team and the coach from the GM where they all like made it clear, hey, he wanted out of here. Like they weren't playing along with any narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't end well. So now you get a fresh start. Like I said, you play great. I think it's all good. Yeah. I don't I, think I, you played great for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, certainly inconsistent, I think, is, is the thing you can say. First and foremost, but like you said, in the column here, you write that he's a tier one player. He was a tier one player two years ago. Not like he's that far removed. And even in 2020, first half of the year, he was an MVP candidate. So it's really he been tier one last year. He made it. Oh, he was unanimous two years ago. And then yes. last year, there was uh, a minority of voters put him in tier two. And this year, the majority put him in tier mm-hmm. two. So it's a great opportunity for him to show that, you know, he's still fine, but I don't know. I think some of those perceptions about him, which, like you said, may be totally irrelevant, they feel more relevant when you're sort of, I don't know about plateauing, but just not 
not playing as well. It makes you wonder, okay, is, is it the same? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and you hear that for other players too. It's not just Russell Wilson. Um, you know, the, the, the stuff that comes along with a player, you know, teams are willing to tolerate more when a guy's playing like a superstar versus, uh, you know, playing more ordinary football. Um, Earl Thomas comes to mind for me from the same team uh, during his time in Seattle. And then, uh, you know, in Baltimore, where the Ravens said we're good um, after he started the fight in practice. Um, when it comes to Russ, I, I think the point you made about it being sort of a, a failing marriage, in addition to being funny, is 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 accurate. And I think that's what I'm going to wonder about this year is just for the last, I don't know, four, five, six years, it sort of felt like a like an internal battle where like every every game every every meaningful game at the very least was that battle of oh is pete gonna just insist on running the ball and ask russ to bail them out versus are they gonna actually throw the ball versus you know and it feels like that's no longer the case and so i wonder what effect that has on russell wilson plateauing you know if if he's now in an offense where they're going to basically play the kind of football he wants to play I think this is his chance to prove, hey, I really am a tier one guy. And sort of like Matthew Stafford, hey, like now that I'm I'm out of that system, now that I'm out of that that role where I wasn't allowed to show what I can do, that may open up things for him or it may prove that, hey, he's really is a tier two guy at this point of his career. But the irony is that when they were doing all those things, he was amazing. Yeah. I believe that he is really at his best when they when the defense is worried about the running back. I mean, which quarterback yeah. wouldn't be? Of course. Um, and and I think they got different kind of coverages when it was a Marshawn Lynch attack, yep. Marshawn Lynch mm -hmm. attack, right? And and we've seen uh, some of those, you know, kind of like Mahomes went through a spell last year, right? With with these uh, two high defenses. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You're moving into a division with Brandon Staley, mm -hmm. right? You're gonna you're gonna see that. I think I don't know that there's a book on Russell Wilson, but there kind of is, and. Mm -hmm. If they're just going to go and and put on his shoulders to throw the ball all the time from the shotgun without having a big run threat, I'm not saying they are, but if that's what he wanted, if he wanted to be Peyton Manning back there, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that's where he's at his best. I don't think he's that guy. Mm -hmm. If I were them, I would say, this is Russ's offense. This is his show. We are putting the ball in his hands, and then I'd have a really great running game. <laughs> you know, off of that, I would do sort of a little bit of what Pete Carroll was doing. Pete gets a – I believe Pete Carroll sees the game exactly how Kyle Shanahan does. Mm -hmm. Like it's absolutely ripped because he's 70 years old, and people <laughs> think that Matt – that Russell Wilson is Peyton Manning. Mm -hmm. That narrative has taken root that, oh, if Wilson could just get out of this, he'd be amazing. But they've – over multiple coordinators bent to the offense to do what they think I think Russell Wilson's best at. Mm -hmm. They didn't run the full Sean McVay offense with Shane Waldron last year, did they? No. They they sort of did it to Russell. So I'm very interested to see if the Denver offense looks a little bit like it did in Seattle because that's really the Russ offense. Mm -hmm. Or is it really going to be a different, totally new offense that he's going to just take flight in? I'll kind of believe that when I see it. Yeah, I mean, it could be a version of the Green Bay offense that that you know that's more run heavy than people maybe give it credit for. Um, yeah. but of course, very successful as well. Yeah, I think one of the most fascinating situations in the NFL is just seeing what that offense looks like week one, and then as the season goes on, how they adapt and how they change when defenses adapt, and sort of see what they're they're running. Um, next, I want to say one more thing. Like, please. like take Russell Wilson over the last four years. Maybe that's too many years, but. 
like his numbers are great. So the idea that, wow, he's just been bottled up and we haven't seen the full potential. Well, good luck improving on what he's done so far. He's been amazing. Mm-hmm. He's been a tier one player in the NFL. Like there's not a lot higher to go. Yeah. So if you had to say, if I had to say to you, have we seen the best of Russell Wilson? What's your answer? I think we've probably seen the most efficient Russell Wilson. We're going to see. That's probably the guy in 2018 who threw the ball, oh geez, you know, 427 times in a full season, but had crazy efficiency numbers. Yeah. You know, I think we, we've probably not seen a guy who is going to be that efficient on a snap to snap basis, but in terms of his overall cumulative value, that's the question. Because if he can be something close to that guy for 550 pass attempts or 600 pass attempts, then he's an MVP candidate. But if he can't be that guy, if the efficiency drops off, then that's a different kind of question. Yeah, it's gonna be fascinating, isn't it? I I, I love the quarterbacks changing, established quarterbacks changing, whether it's Stafford, Wilson, even Matt Ryan late in his career. You really get to test Brady, obviously leaving. Mm-hmm. You really get to test your theories of what was going on. Is it different in a new place? And it has been for Brady. Uh, and good again. And it has been for Stafford. And will it be for Wilson? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very fair question. Next guy up is Lamar Jackson. You've talked plenty about Lamar Jackson over the yeah. past week. So I- I'm going to frame my question this way. Uh, you have several quotes in here from coordinators, from coaches about how, you know, the, the big quote here is if you have to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. Now, I will say I have seen Russell, or sorry, Russell I've seen Lamar Jackson come back throwing the ball to win games in the past. The Colts game comes to mind for me as an example. Um, there's this sort of separation of he's not a quarterback in the way other people are quarterbacks. Let me ask you this. In terms of your conversations with people about Lamar Jackson, how often did you hear that sentiment? You know, for the for the quotes in your piece about Lamar Jackson, were they kind of one-offs or were they more common threads? And this was just maybe one quote that stood up for maybe what five or ten people told you in terms of what Lamar Jackson's performance looks like uh, on a week-to-week basis. I think there's only one quote in there that's that makes that differentiation. I, I don't believe there's a bunch of quotes like that. Uh, do, do you have it in front of you? I'm looking at it now. So it's yeah. So I, like the first, like the last one is like I can't believe he's not not in tier right, one. Right, for sure. Be. Um, and even the one that you know, the one that that got out there was I don't care if he's the MVP twelve times, he's not tier one mm-hmm. quarterback. But if you even if you look at how that is, if you look at the the what's said around that, it's saying in the context of how a tier one quarterback is defined, mm-hmm. can carry his team each week. The team wins because of him. So far, pretty darn good expertly handles pure pass situations no real holes in this game well that part about expertly handling pure pass situations i believe and the league believes is a prerequisite to be in the top tier because the game will get reduced to that i think everybody i think most people see lamar jackson the same way elite runner and a pretty good but not elite passer Mm -hmm. and so can you be a tier one quarterback if you're not an elite passer. And I think we have our answer in that six, uh, eight people put him in tier one, mm-hmm. 34 put him in tier two and eight put him in tier three. And the quote that's in there about, uh, you know, 12 MVPs, he says, look, the guy, look, I can see, I believe that's in this, this one. Uh, I think you make a case from tier one to tier three. Is that what it says? Or is that in the next? Yes. Quote? That, that is the first quote. That, the, so so yes. let's read. Can we read for the record what the full quote is? Cause yes. like that hasn't been out there. Sure. 
So it, uh, to be clear, it's not clear from this column if it's, I believe it's two different defensive coordinators described here. Um, so two different quotes from two different people. Uh, but the, the first one says, you cannot go into a game and not account for this guy. At the same time, I can totally see why you can go anywhere from one to three on him. If he has to drop back and throw the ball, it's not the same. But if he's on rhythm and they're running the ball and they're running the play action, if he can't account for that, he is going to kill you. That is the first quote. Yeah, and I think most quote, people would say that's a fact, right? I, I think so. I, I think he's had more success in pure passing situations than than people, I would say, give him credit for. You know, I, I think there's some there's some stuff that's sort of weighted in a way that I think is frustrating. Like I remember there was a quote or a stat on him last year or a couple of years ago that was like, you know, he's never led the Ravens back from a halftime deficit. And you could argue that's what pure passers do is they lead you back when you're trailing at halftime. And one of the issues is that Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback in football in terms of getting ahead. It's like, well, you know, it's like it's like the the famous like LeBron Michael Jordan comparisons where it's like, uh, you know, Michael Jordan lost didn't lose in the finals, but LeBron made it to the finals more often, and Michael Jordan lost in the first few rounds. Like, is that really better? You know, you, it, just watching him. Do you, do you think he's an excellent tier one pure passer? I, I I don't consistently think he's that guy. No, but I also don't think. That Josh Allen is always that guy. Like I, I think the gap between those two is is, is smaller than maybe. I agree. You know, I, I, one, actually agree. I, I agree with that. I think the difference is one of them has been sensational driving success in the playoff. For sure, that's true. Hundred percent fair. And I, and I think once Lamar Jackson does that, because because when Lamar Jackson's gotten into the playoffs and they got into those situations, it didn't just look bad. It looked um, mm -hmm. hard to watch. Right. Mm -hmm. They you were didn't a mess. Come away from it. You didn't come away from it going, "Wow." Tough loss, but that guy really, mm -hmm. really put him on the shoulders and threw him back into the game in the big game. So he tried. Yeah. He tried in the 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 Titans game, but they were a mess because they were sloppy and Lamar contributed to that. You know, he he's he certainly, you know, Josh Allen has been a much better, especially last year, much better playoff performer than Lamar Jackson has been. I don't think anybody can argue that. But so anyway, he his his average tier vote improved from last year, which actually surprised me because I think it his does. he did not have as good of a year. That's just because it's not the same 50 people every year. That's all. Right. I mean, it's a little bit of a nudge. But let's get to the second quote, mm -hmm. um, which is, if he has to, oh. has to win the game, they ain't winning the game, which you said. Mm -hmm. He's so unique as an athlete. He's a really good football player, but I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I think he'll ever be a tier one as a quarterback. He'll be a mm -hmm. one as a football player as a quarterback. So many games come in a two-minute that's why they've had a hard time advancing, even when they're good on defense. Playoffs mm -hmm. are tight. You have to be able to throw the ball. He's just so inconsistent throwing the ball. It's hit or miss. So I think you make a case that that's a harsh analysis, but mm -hmm. I think it's part of the analysis. And it is it's it is one person in there, but I think it highlights why he's not higher. He's not in there with with Mahomes and, and Herbert and, and, and Burrow, but mm -hmm. he can get there. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I mean, obviously, you know, his skill set is different. He offers more as a runner than I think anybody besides Allen. And I think he's better than Allen, but not so much better than Allen that it's, um, you know, that 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 it's it's worth differentiating between the two. But, um, you know, the, the, in terms of being a pure passer, I think, you know, it, it's funny because, again, king of nuance here, you know, you don't have to pick one of two, right? He's, he's not he's not perfect as a passer he's not Peyton Manning as a pure passer but he's not you know if I don't see my first read I'm gone you know I, I don't I don't agree yeah. with that necessarily not, not that that was said here but you know I feel like you have to make this binary choice about Lamar Jackson either he's a fraud who you know <laughs> is un, un, unable to 
to complete basic passing concepts or he's he's a genius and that's not he he's someone who i i think you know has more commonly had issues with um you know uh being a, a pocket passer not that he can't do it not that he's on an nfl caliber pocket passer but what makes him special is is the combination of skills i think he's a top 10 quarterback who, who at any time is the best player on the field isn't that interesting Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, the because most guys most guys down there in the ten eleven range on this thing won't miss, won't be that right. Mm-hmm. Um, although look at the guys that are right ahead of him: Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford. Sometimes they are too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you could like we did. You could make a case for those guys to be in tier one as well. And maybe that's the interesting part of it is in the future. Do some of those guys rotate into tier one? Because I don't think they're necessarily going to be tier one every year. We'll see on Watson's development. But remember when Matt Ryan made it, when the planets kind of aligned and he had Kyle Shanahan and all of a sudden he was like as productive as any quarterback ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, We may have, I think in that base of guys, Stafford, Wilson, Watson, and Jackson, and we'll see what happens if Dak Prescott being fully healthy can join that. But those guys, I think all have the potential in any one given year to have it all come together Mm -hmm. and be as good as anybody. I'm going to name three tier three quarterbacks, and I'll let you pick which one you find most interesting being in tier three. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo coming in at 16. Ryan Tannehill, even though they were the one seed in the AFC, dropping from tier two to tier three. And Mac Jones ranking ahead of Jalen Hurts in tier three. Which of those are most interesting to you? Well, Tannehill's very interesting to me. I mean, Garoppolo... Look, he's not even going to have a starting job. It doesn't look like, at least right now. And Mac Jones, I think, was sort of what we expected or hoped he would be. Mm-hmm. Almost a finished product a little bit coming out. And and who knows if he has a much higher ceiling. But Tannehill is very interesting to me because uh, you could make – I mean, he's had – if you did like a double-blind taste test, right, of his stats, I mean, you could have thought he had almost tier one production there mm-hmm. um, for a while. But everybody in their back of their minds said – yeah, it's Derrick Henry, and right. you know, that's why teams are playing him a certain way, and no one goes into the game and is trying to stop Ryan Tannehill and and that. And I feel like last year um, sort of validated those fears and knocked him down um, a little bit. And the question now is, does he ever come up again? Have we seen the best of him? And I sort of feel like we probably have, given, getting rid of A.J. Brown. You figure Derrick Henry's not going to be great forever, just given the nature of the position already had an injury last year. Maybe that doesn't crop up again, but uh, I think Tannehill's interesting as somebody who kind of ran up to the mountaintop, but didn't get over. And you just, I just wonder if he'll get up there high again. He kind of, kind of reminds me of Alex Smith a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After that NFC championship game against the the giants, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was good after that though. Although I mean, he had some, he had some good time with, uh, with Andy Reid, but yes. I just, Tennessee just like constantly proves people wrong by <laughs> overachieving. Um, maybe they're just that good. But I, I think Tannehill's interesting. Like, where does he go from here? Is Tannehill their starter in two years? Because mm-hmm. if you look at this, but one of the things that dawned on me, I never thought of this when I, in doing quarterback tiers. I think the first two tiers are guys you're not really looking to replace. Mm-hmm. When you get into tier three, you could pay them. Or you could consider other options. Mm-hmm. You can be happy with them, but you're not like, let's just go through it. Cousins, right? Yeah, they paid him a lot, but if they could have got out of it now or something. Right. 
uh, you know, Garoppolo, they're getting out of it, even though they've been to three NFC championship games, they've been mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl, but they're, you're just kind of not quite satisfied, right? Mm-hmm. Tannehill feels like that's where he's going to be. I know they drafted a quarterback, but doesn't that feel like to you? For somebody, if you looked at his stats the last few years, you'd think, what more do you want? Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I don't, I don't feel that. Do you? No, I mean, frankly, Garoppolo's stats are impressive. You know, their interception rates may be a little high, but you know, sixty-eight percent completion percentage, averaging eight point six yards per attempt, led the league in net yards per attempt. You know, he's not throwing the ball a ton, and I think if you watch it, you'd say, okay, that's the play-action game. That's Shanahan's offense. That's a lot of easy completions. We know he misses throws, but like you have this sort of tier of guys where the numbers are consistently more impressive than their actual performance. And I think Cousins kind of fit that as well in the scheme they were running. And I think there's this, you know, I read about this years ago now, it feels like, but the the idea of do you want to pay for these guys when you can get a rookie for the cheap and if you have the right scheme and the right offense, you might not need to pay that guy $27 million a year. Maybe it gives you the opportunity to spend more money on the pieces around them and keep a consistent core around those guys. And I think for Tennessee, you know, if they were not locked into Tannehill this offseason, if they were not priced in because of the way they guaranteed his contract when he first broke out, I think they'd trade for Garoppolo. I think they'd trade a seventh round pick for Garoppolo right now and cut Tannehill and pay Garoppolo um, either what Tannehill gets on a, on a new deal or probably less. Um, I think that I, I totally two are so fascinating. Agree. Yeah, I totally agree that that's sort of the theory, but when it comes down to it, those are hard things to do in oh, your, sure. your players, right? To your team, to your fans, to suddenly to take the chance like the 49ers are kind of fascinatingly doing now. They, they sort of had to do it with the trade they made, but yeah. they are giving up somebody who makes they're a contender with. They could be a losing team now. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. It's one I mean, of the few times that it's really been done without having like, okay, we're getting rid of Peyton Manning because we have luck. Right. You have that next pick coming, but that's fascinating to just go with a with a prospect now to sub out Tannehill for Garoppolo would be probably pretty lateral right and just try to get him at a cheaper price Mm -hmm. um but as we see those things are like they've always been easier said than done but I think we're seeing signs of it happening right we're we're seeing more movement we're seeing younger GMs we're seeing to where maybe that thing that we've been talking about for 10 years of going with the cheap quarterback or whatever you know it's sort of been laughed off as impractical but i think we're closer to having the flexibility to do more things that so far have just kind of been talked about and theorized i mean i i'll tell you i i I think the browns basically did it i think because even if they hadn't traded for deshaun watson you know they basically made that move and said baker mayfield is not good enough for us to give a long-term extension to and there's other factors. I mean, obviously, Baker's relationship with the team was strained at best. I think there were, you know, maybe if, if things go differently last year, they do sign a deal with Baker. But I think that's kind of the decision they made. Now, granted, they went out and got a more expensive quarterback instead of a cheaper one. But I think, yeah, yeah. But that's a one. That's a one off. I mean, you know, For sure. not, they, could, they could have just as easily, you know, kind of like the the Colts were like, we'll just take anybody. They didn't know they were getting <laughs> out, Ryan. Sure. It worked out that way, but they were prepared to do whatever rather than pay Wentz. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. And it still has so much more to evolve in the NFL's. You know, it, it's not the same right now as it was three years ago. It's not going to be the same three years ago as it is now. But the one thing we can say for sure that we can count on year after year 
is that the quarterback tiers column is always going to be a fascinating read. So Mike, please tell the people where they can check out not just quarterback tiers, but all the fine work you do. Absolutely. Certainly on The Athletic, get the app. You, maybe you have it already. If you're listening to Barnwell, you probably do. And then uh, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Sando NFL. It's S-A-N-D-O-N-F-L. Um, I admit I don't read all of my mentions, uh, <laughs> but uh, hope to see you there. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. Okay, we'll see you. All right. Thanks so much, as always, to my friend, Mike Sando. If you read my work, you've listened to this podcast, you've heard Mike before during his time at ESPN, of course, check out his work at The Athletic as well. We have more audio coming, of course, more season preview happening here on The Bill Barnwell Show. Plenty of stuff to get to here in the next few weeks. A lot more to talk about. Hope you guys are enjoying the summer. Hope you're staying cool and hope you are enjoying the podcast more next week.